Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 20 for Friday, 1st of October 2010. IBM's reputation, connecting via same time and following Tiger's women... It's 12 o'clock on a Friday lunchtime in the UK and therefore it's time for yet another episode of This Week in Lotus. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Darren Duke. Hi there, Darren. Hello, Stuart. How are you? I am really good, thank you. I'm excited about the Ryder Cup that's starting today just down the road, so that's something to, to watch over the weekend. Do you follow the golf at all? No, I follow Tiger's women. That's about it. <laughs> There's been lots of those over the last year or so. <laughs> There are uh, <laughs> Well, it's, it's chucking it down with rain here, so I'm expecting the Ryder Cup to be somewhat of a washout today, so we'll have to see how that goes. But it's great to have you on yet another episode. We've reached number 20, believe it or not. I know, I just, I just saw your tweet, and I was thinking the other day that it can be that far off what we've been doing this six months, so I guess the math says six more episodes and we've hit the six-month mark. I know. It kind of shocked me. <laughs> it's gone very quickly, and so hopefully people are still enjoying listening and there's new people coming on to uh, subscribe to the podcast, so um, hopefully we can keep up the work. So today we're joined by uh, a couple of IBMers, uh, so it's quite an IBM-heavy uh, conversation today, but that's great from, from very different parts of the business. First up, we have Luis Benito. Hi there, Luis. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? I'm really good, thank you. It's great to have you on the podcast today. I know you did a podcast with uh, with Bruce and Julian just recently. I did, yeah. I think it was about two weeks ago, so I'm glad that I get the opportunity to to be here with you guys today. Great, great. Well, it's great to have you on. Uh, I know you've moved jobs recently, so something we'll cover later in the podcast and find out exactly what it is you'll be doing for the future. So we'll come back to that later on. Um, also joined by Matt Simpson. Hi there, Matt. Good morning, Stuart. How are you? Very good, thank you. Um, for those that aren't aware, what part of IBM do you work in and what's your responsibility there, Matt? Sure. I'm, um, I'm in the CIO organization. I'm an initiative leader and my responsibility is to, to deploy same time inside of IBM. Great. Okay. Well, that, that again is going to be one of our topics of the day. So we'll come back to that in a little bit more detail later on. But it's great to have you on the call today. As usual, we'll have a run through of um, the topics of news around the Lotus community this week. Um, there's no particular focus this week. You're just back to, to covering um, whatever's been going on. So we'll rattle through that. So let's start with Luis. Um, you blogged, I think it was earlier on this week or possibly at the end of last week, about a um, an article in Fast Company that IBM could be bigger than Facebook, which obviously both of us kind of specialized in social software so it's kind of interesting to see IBM getting a name in that area so do you want to run through what the um what the news article was about sure so I thought I mean that was a pretty nice article um with a very catchy headline if you will and so the article was from one of the reporters at Fast Company that got a chance to to sit down with Jeff Schick who's the 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 VP of social software at IBM and and he got a chance to talk to him while we were doing the whole um, IBM customer experience suite launch uh, in New York, and so um, Jeff Schick had a chance to, to to share our vision and our experience with, with social software inside the firewall, and you know. Uh, what appears was that the reporter was very, very impressed as to how long we've been doing this and how much experience we've we've have 
with you know deploying social software and using it for for productivity increase. Um, so you know Jeff Sheck mentioned that that we've been doing it for more than a decade. Uh, you know it's open to you know more than four hundred thousand users, and that's just the IBMers plus probably like 200,000 more business partners and there's millions of, you know, searches happening um, in terms of finding content, finding users, etc. And so the, uh, the, 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 the blogger is all about, wow. So, I mean, you guys have been doing this and, and, you know, Facebook has only been doing it for four years. You guys have been around for, for more than a decade doing this. Um, and so this has a lot more potential. And, and what's interesting is there was another article that was published in Forbes and I'll uh, I'll include the link for um, for the show notes. But for, uh, Forbes was also talking about how social media in the enterprise is a lot more powerful powerful than, than social media outside of of the firewall. Um, so I think you know th- there's a lot of talk out there and and uh, a, a lot of people realizing uh, that it's time to to finally. Uh, socialize and, and bring the power of social software inside the enterprises. So I'm, um, you know, I'm very excited for, um, for for this. And something that the article highlighted was how IBM sort of uses itself as an example of, of what it can do with social software, and and that's clearly where Lotus Connections came from, wasn't it? it? Was how you use profiles and communities within IBM, and and kind of drinking your champagne in terms of using it. Um, at, in, in how you do your business, you know, how you run the business and how you collaborate with people and how you network around the world. And, and Matthew, I mean, I'm guessing you must be part of quite a lot of communities on, on W3 and, and using Lotus Connections in your daily daily work. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we live and breathe Lotus Connections. And let me just use this opportunity to, you know, just wave in Lewis's general direction. Lewis and I are constantly connected up on connections and we're exchanging information. And, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, you, you like, like in your profile, you just want to go in and check in with it in the same, you know, with the same emotional feeling that you feel like you want to go check in with your Twitter or, or your Facebook homepage. It's, it's just one of those things. But the cool thing about it is this is enterprise related, right? So it's social, but it's inside the company. And so you really, you know, you, you feel it, it really adds a flavor, a connection to, to the workplace that, you know, we, we never had before until we deployed connections. We love it. And I think generally speaking, you know, IBM is, is seen as one of the market leads. I think Gartner have you up in their their quadrant in that area for for social software in the in the leadership quadrant, which is is great. And although there's competitors out there that are, that are you know competing in this area and then growing their business like Jive and Social Tech, IBM does seem to be kind of grasping the nettle in terms of moving ahead with with bringing social into the enterprise. I think I think one of the interesting things is how Jeff Schick is is getting known now in in the media. I quite regularly see him taking on media interviews in terms of getting the word out there um, and being willing to sort of battle the naysayers in terms of IBM with Lotus Notes and so on being uh, relevant in, in today's world, which is quite interesting. I mean, Darren, do you, do you see IBM doing enough to get the word out in terms of what it's doing in this area? Um. I don't think IBM ever does enough, but I won't stick on that point for more than two seconds. But I will echo uh, Stuart's sentiment about Jeff Schick is 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 becoming a, a a media star, I guess, for the social software side of IBM. What what I do find interesting is maybe the barriers to entry for the for the enterprises that that we target both IBM as a company and and, and myself and Stuart as business partners because we still today have kind of a difficult 
sell, sell even to use the free same time that's available with notes. You know, we've had this conversation before on this podcast, and Stuart got into trouble for his <laughs> <laughs> middle class white guy board member or something like that. But we still see that today where people just don't understand the value of even instant message inside the enterprise. So, how, how, how are IBM as an organization, either Lewis um, or, or Matt? How are you guys extolling that virtues a in, internally to IBM and b also maybe to the customer base? So I think you know one of the things that has really helped is um, the 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 communications that are happening around the product. So more and more people are are just learning about the product uh, through just viral adoption. It seems. I mean, I haven't seen any any formal communication per se from from the. The you know the, the vice presidents or, or the CIO probably in like two or three years. I know there was a big push. Um, I think two years ago when um, Steve Mills was pushing dog ear. You know he was all about social bookmarking and he was getting people very excited and motivated to to push it. And uh, I think actually earlier this year, Lotosphere, um, my VP, my or my ex VP, I guess um, he was really pushing uh, microblogging and, and profile status updates. But in terms of a very you know high higher up communication, I haven't seen that. But what I what I have seen is um, integration into more for day-to-day tools. So we have, for example, uh, Portal. So now, when I first launched W3, which is our internal portal within IBM, it's all about connections right there. So it's 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 now going to become more per- pervasive, I guess, and more more in, in your face. And so, I mean, I'm very very excited about that. And 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 looking at the th- at the trends. Um, the trends are just so impressive. Uh, I think the latest I saw was since December 2009, we have about a 300% increase in usage, which is you know very, very exciting. And, and maybe a follow-on question of that. Do you know where the increase in usage is coming from? Is, 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 it, is it new, new hires into the business? Is it still maybe uh, existing IBMers that just haven't yet? came into but your internal connections where's this growth coming from that's a good question i i don't have any uh specific details on that but i i mean from my sense it seems that it's just uh, existing ibmers that are that are coming in um and and just finally uh using it or, or seeing the light <laughs> if you will um, <laughs> yeah, really. I, I think that's an interesting point is is that we as the lowest community tend to see ibm as you know, the lotus facing side of, of IBM. And it's such a tiny minority of the IBM company that it's easy to forget that there's all these people in the you know, factories around the world and focused on hardware and focused on services out there doing the work in, in you know, in in businesses around the world that actually, you know, the spread of, of things like Lotus Connections, whilst it is viral and massive in terms of percentages, still takes a while to get to the, the further reaches of IBM. Oh, uh, it's it's huge. It it really is huge. It's it's and it's you know with four hundred thousand uh, people, um, in order to provide information technology inside of this company, uh, you know the IBM internal global account is a very large significant significant account providing uh, IT to IBM itself, 
and you know in even inside the CIO organization I can sit you know inside of IBM and socialize with people who are focused on internal processes, internal business units, uh, support for geos internally, support for specific uh, brands, uh, initiatives, technologies internally, uh, areas of our inter- infrastructure. You know, name the f- you can go across the full dimension. And we're dealing with thousands of people just in that space alone. And you can end up with social networks that are connected, uh, you know, all around, you know, these thousands of people and really, you know, not and, and live in an entire social collaborative ecosystem uh, inside of the firewalls of IBM and not necessarily even see, you know, any other part of the company. So, I mean, that happens to be a world that I live in and I don't I don't see the external side of uh, of, of the IBM business often. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one point that's kind of, you know, being talked about is, is how it's, it's a bit of a surprise to see how social IBM is both, uh, you know, in its, in its product space and, and, uh, you know, the way we deploy internally too, but, um, it's, it's, I'm a fan of this week in technology with Leo Laporte and all of his guests. And I love listening to that podcast and it's always funny to hear whenever, IBM is brought in as a reference. It's almost as if, you know, that old image of, you know, uh, men in blue suits, you know, big blue, uh, the, you know, and the IBM as an as a elephant metaphor, slow. Uh, it's like one of those companies that just persists simply because of its size and its, mm-hmm. its momentum and its presence in the marketplace, and for no other virtue than that, which is a striking contrast to our experience because we're sitting here looking at all the functionality in our product. We're experiencing it. We're living it, and we're breathing it every day. We're, uh, and, and you know, when I go out to customer briefings and I'm talking with people and, and looking at how they're using the kinds of stuff that we're doing uh, inside their company, it seems like a totally different space. I mean, I really uh, sympathize with Lewis's uh, point um, in, in his um, in his article about IBM being bigger than Facebook. It's, you know, that's more the sentiment that, you know, and the flavor that I get from from this company compared to that old stereotype. But the question is, what? Why does that stereotype persist? And and one of the things I kind of regularly reflect on is that IBM just doesn't feature in the consumer space. You know, you've had quite a few goes at it in the past, selling PCs and so on, um, selling you know shrinkware, so shrink wrap software off the shelves and so on, and have kind of retreated back into the enterprise focus. And and whilst I completely understand that from a profits point of view, it means that podcasts and and uh, the media that do um, sort of represent mainly the consumer market, like like this week in later, sorry, this week in tech, even um, just just don't know about what IBM's doing and just aren't aware. And I guess that's why articles like this one in in Fast Company is so important to get the word out. One of the things that I, I've I've commented on quite a few times is James Governor, who's one of the analysts that covers IBM, quoted on on Twitter a while ago: "The blurring of consumer and enterprise tech is real. IBM has to adjust to that reality. We don't do consumer is not a strategy." And 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 that's something I've echoed quite a few times: is that this blurring is real it's happening and and so um ibm has to feature more in the consumer channels for people to be aware of what they do and therefore to then talk about it when they do go into their boardrooms or or advise their company on, on what they need to implement 
Well, I think that may be, I think that's valid when you say in order for IBM to be uh, a household name that, you know, that has that kind of flavor uh, around it being something that everyone touches, right? I mean, um, everyone can touch Facebook and everyone can touch Google and everyone can touch Twitter. I mean, it's something you, it's very tangible in people's lives because, you know, every single person on the planet can log on to, you know, that has access to, to a browser and an internet connection can go and log on and, and, and touch it and, and get involved and, and get access to the functionality. And I don't know if IBM has anything like that. We're really focused on enterprises. And I mean, I don't want to speak definitively. Lewis, you may have a better sense of this than I, but, um, you know, Stuart, I think that, um, you know, that is a good, that is a good point. Maybe that, that really hasn't been part of the strategy and yet IBM just massively succeeds because, I mean, not because of that, but despite the fact that it doesn't have to offer something like that in the, in the consumable space. Um, it obviously, it used to offer PCs, and um, yet we decided to divest uh, of that particular side of the marketplace. And it, we haven't suffered because of that. And that, I guess, is is why Lotus Symphony is such an important move in terms of that getting onto real users' uh, desks. You know, that they're choosing to go and download it from the Lotus site. They're getting to know um, IBM and Lotus through that product because it is a valid alternative. And, and that's bringing new users to IBM and, and knowing more about Lotus, I guess. Da Sorry, Darren, you were going to say. And, and, and I, that's what I was about to bring up was, was Symphony. You know, I'm not mm. quite yet still sure today where Symphony is targeted, um, but being a freely downloadable product, I think is a step in the right direction to get it out there. But, you know, one of the reasons I think the likes of, of, of Leo Laporte are, are somewhat stuck in the past from IBM is that a lot of these people had a snapshot maybe of six months of a year where in 2003 they were using Notes 5 or Note 6 from 1999. So, you know, they, they saw this snapshot. It's a bit like I, I bought a Ford in 1976. It was crap. I'm no longer buying a Ford. And I think that's the mentality of, of these people. And I think it's a, it's, it's a very big problem for IBM in, in the marketplace because the, the, the play on things like This Week in Tech is, just, like you said, as soon as IBM come up, they kind of discount it. And ironically, so, so, so does the, the, the IT press, the likes of eWeek and Information Week. I very rarely see a, a review of an IBM product. And if I do, mm. it's probably half a column. So, yeah, I think that's you know, a really good point, Symphony. Um, and you know, speaking of Ford, have you driven a Ford lately? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I had to exactly. throw that one in. Yeah. So, so let's let's move on then. I, I think you you know we've all brought up some really good points in terms of how IBM gets known better, and I, I think it, it's going to be a, a long, drawn out process in terms of whether IBM can recover that that consumer mind share, um, and, and it's going to be interesting whether that happens over the next few years. So, moving on, another area of mind share that that I follow is is in terms of people joining and leaving Lotus. And again, I've had some things to say on my blog and so on about this. Is that um, you know we, we've heard a lot in the past few years about people leaving IBM Lotus, Alan Lepofsky, Gia Lyons, Rocky Oliver, Bob Balaban. Some of those have, have came into IBM from our business partners have gone back to them. Uh, they Others have moved into competitor um, companies. And and I haven't heard of too many people joining Lotus. And, and that's something I've, I've raised several times. I think something that's really important in terms of gathering some of that mind share amongst the pace setters of this world, to use that term. 
uh, to see IBM as being a vibrant place people want to work for. Well, somebody has joined IBM this week, a former guest on this podcast. I think it was just last week, actually. John Mell was on from Headshift. He's joined IBM this week um, to head up portal and connections sales within North IoT, which I think is basically North Europe in IBM terminology. And I think that's a fantastic thing to have happened, a really big industry name that people know very well through Twitter and and, um, and his blog has, has rejoined IBM again. And Darren, do you, do you see that as being something that we should be looking forward to see low as a as a really good employer that people are jumping to to come and work for again yeah and and i think there's always a revolving door um you know you mentioned uh bob balaban and, and rocky oliver and at least one or both of them have been to ibm several times right one, yeah. one twice maybe um but but they over the past six years there do seem to have been more exits than there have been entries and what we don't seem to find is when, when Alan Leposky left IBM, I, I think I said on his blog at the time, I hope someone else from IBM steps in and it's not just left really to Ed Brill to take the publicly facing pinata style <laughs> address that <laughs> the, 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 the public face can be. And, and I have yet to see really anyone from IBM take over Alan's role in, in that fashion. So I think the worry is as these public figures step out, there's no one really bubbling up to fill the gap. And that's probably the biggest worry I have. And I guess that's why why it's so important we get so many more evangelists, you know, coming to the fore within IBM that do become those names that are well known in, in the industry. And obviously, Luis, I, I would put you in that category. It's terrific. You're out there so much blogging about uh, about Lotus Connections and talking about it in, in Twitter channels and so on. And obviously, you've now moved into a new role over the last few weeks. So do you want to tell the audience w- what your new role is? Sure. So, um, um, effective. Uh, I, I guess officially effective today, uh, which will be reflected in connections. Um, I'm now uh, a product manager within the uh, the social software team. So, um, I'm, I'm initially, I'm going to have uh, a responsibility for for the quicker offering and uh, and working with the, the various. Uh, uh, services and sales groups to, to to push our social software offerings to the to the line of business. So I'm, I'm you know I'm very excited about that. Um, you know one of the challenges that that I had when I was uh, in the in the sales team was that we were constantly talking to to IT and you know while we we have good connections there and, and we know the people at IT. I think uh, for products like like social software, we really need to be talking to, to the line of business. So now that, that I have uh, you know responsibility over that, I, I'm really excited that we can take our product and and grow it even more. So uh, looking forward to that. Excellent. And and sort of what prompted the change? You know, was that something that was offered to you, or you wanted to move out of services? So interesting story. <laughs> um, that's something that that I've been wanting to do for a while. The the product management position uh, seemed very interesting. I've been following you know Macidera and, and Suzanne for a while, and and what they do just seems very interesting, and and it just seems to be a, like a good way to to provide. Um, you know, feedback and, and provide some direction for the product, especially you know, given what I see out there in the field and what our competitors are doing, etc. But what really happened, or what really made this happen, was that Jeff Schick actually <laughs> um, microblogged that he was looking for a new product manager, and so I saw his post in his in Lotus Connections as his status update, and. Uh, I immediately reached out to him. Hey, I noticed that you're looking out for a new product manager. I would love to join your team, and so uh, 
you know, once I did that, he sent me the the you know the job opening. I, I you know formally applied, went through the whole interview process, and and you know finally got got the position. But uh, you know, if it wasn't for that, <laughs> who knows who have you know taken the position? Um, and, you know, I probably would have never seen that, or would have never discovered that a position was open. So I'm really glad that that Jeff Chick is you know <laughs> advertising what he was looking for, and that I was able to 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 see that. So serendipity at its best, I guess. Absolutely, social collaboration in, in operation, I guess. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me ask a question, Luis. Is when, when you say product manager for Quicker, is that both Quicker J and Quicker D, or is it just one of you? Um. So uh, I'm going to be fo uh, focusing initially on Quicker D, uh, so Quicker Domino, uh, which we just uh, released. So now that that uh, that it's out in the market, um, we're actually trying and and figuring out what. Quicker Domino is going to look like for for next year, and so what we're going to say a lot of sphere and all that other interesting stuff. So I'm um, I'm learning a lot, <laughs> and I'm you know very excited as to the potential and what what is you know what we're trying to do for 2011. So stay tuned. Hopefully there will be a extra net utility for small businesses server in there. I think that's a I'll, bit mean, Darren. I don't think you can pin that on Luis on the podcast. <laughs> why? Why do you think they need that? Um, well, so so to to release quicker to be extranet is probably what thirty five thousand dollars per hundred PVUs. So if if I'm a small business, for instance, uh, a very good case study is a customer of mine that does uh, cargo shipping. They they have maybe twenty thirty employees, so they're a really small business as far as IBM are concerned. Um, and they, for years, have wanted to use Quicker to publish things like customs documents and, and, and all of the, the rules and regulations about the aircraft carriers out to a, an extra net kind of idea. And they want to do that through Quicker because you've got version control and security. But, but at 35 US dollars, they, they, they don't have that kind of budget just for that. Um, where on the Domino side, because of Express, they could theoretically get Domino Utility Express for like $2,500, which is substantially less. Now, they would have to build something there, but the, the, all they see is the licensing cost, and they're like, no, we can't do that. So from an SMB standpoint, and, and real SMB, not IBM's idea of SMB, this is real SMB, you know, below 100 people, this the quicker extranet just is not a, a sellable product in that market today, and you guys are losing massive market share to SharePoint because of that. Oh, we've given Luis something to go away and uh, raise with his colleagues. So that's great. As I think I, I would echo that. I think that's definitely needed as as it stands. So Luis, you, you've been out there doing it in the real world, haven't you? You've been installing connections, you've been customizing it, you've been extending it. And now obviously you're moving into product management, admittedly on the on the quicker side uh, immediately. But what have you learned in the real world of doing this stuff that you can take back into that product management team and, and you know and, and help with that process? So one of the key things that, that, that I've learned is that you know, a, a lot of customers have, you know, s similar challenges, and, and I think you know there's a lot that we can do to to address those. Um, and uh, and you know one of the questions that that comes up a lot is, for example, um, you know metrics and 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 trying to figure out the whole you know ROI and whatnot. And you know there's millions of blog posts out there that talk about it. You know don't worry about it calculating the the ROI of, uh, of of the system but if I think you know one of the things that that 
we need to do or, or need to figure out and, and working closely with our you know, Center for Social Software is how can we better measure um, the value that people are getting? Because you know, uh, as with any social software system, and there's you know, millions of statistics out there, 90% um, of the users are mostly consumers or readers, right? So, so they're not posting anything, they're not rating content, they're not, um, in it. they're not interacting really with the system. So how can you really measure um, what value, if any, they're getting out of it? So I think that's one of the things that, 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 that we need to look at and see if we can solve that, that, that problem or, or at least provide some, some sort of solutions. And then the other one is um, continuing to push our, you know, our, our social everywhere um, strategy. I think, you know, I think that's extremely key to make our, our customers successful and making sure that um, you know, we're not just deploying connections and, and waiting for people to come, but we're rather rather deploying this this social platform for collaboration and embedding it into the existing business processes. So embedding it into the customer's portal, be it you know SharePoint or um, our you know Westfield portal or whatever the case may be, embedding it into into uh, you know CRM processes, embedding it into into the new hire process, and just making sure that it's just embedded everywhere and it's accessible from everywhere. So continuing to to push that, I think it's also very uh, important. Excellent. I, I would echo that. It's definitely an area that people need to to really push on with. It, it, you know, I, I've just gone live with a Lotus Collections launch this week, where metrics are playing a massive part in how the business sees that launch, and it's something that, that we need some help with. So it's great you're taking that back into the product management team. So, so moving on to the next topic, um, something that's also embedded into business processes these days is very much instant messaging and, and how people can can contact with the people, uh, or sorry, contact the people they need to get hold of immediately, um, you know, ping people for more information, get hold of the, the personnel they need to help them get the job done and something that I've relied on over many years is, is IBM's external same time service it's a way of uh, connecting with IBMers internally um, being able to just contact them out of the blue but ask them uh, the questions you need to get answered and it's been terrific uh, most of the time there have been some issues with it over the past <laughs> few years we've discussed it, I think on this podcast before and that's the reason why we have Matthew on the call today um, I've been talking to Matthew a lot over the last six months maybe even a year about how we can improve the service and it's terrific that IBM doing something about it so, so let's come back to first principles what is the IBM external same time service Matthew can you fill us in sure um, there are a couple ways to kind of describe it but basically it's um, if an individual has a business need to chat with IBMers um, it is a externally facing um, uh, basically it faces the internet it's a service that um, uh, a person can log on to uh, it's the same time environment uh, so that they can directly chat with IBMers. Um, it's designed for, uh, we're designing it uh, so that we can service people who do not have an, inst an enterprise instant messaging uh, infrastructure as part of their normal work environment. Uh, and, and, you know, for specifically those people who need to chat with IBMers. Um, it, it has a companion service um, called, which we refer to as our gateway, our, our business-to-business -business gateway. Um, 
On the one hand, if you're working for a large enterprise with an instant messaging infrastructure that needs to chat with IBM, we would connect directly to your gateway using our same time gateway, and that's our B2B gateway service. But quite often, a lot of uh, small to medium businesses uh, don't necessarily have that kind of infrastructure, yet they're doing business with IBM. They need to be chatting with IBMers. And so we provide a community, uh, a community server on IBM.com that people can log on to and um, using same time and they can uh, directly, uh, they can add IBMers to their contact list and they can uh, engage in instant messaging. Uh, it's available either within the web browser um, and we're, um, you know, when we deploy, it'll be uh, using the latest same time 851 uh, uh, web browser clients available through the same time proxy component. And, um, uh, it's also available as a um, as a community server, which you can configure as a community inside of uh, your your rich client, uh, same time connect running uh, on your workstation, either in standalone mode or embedded inside of Lotus Notes. So, in a nutshell, that's the description of what it what it is. Um, there is a service that is currently um, currently there. But there's some history behind it, and it's not fully supported. Uh, we're in the process of now of bringing a uh, full production, fully supported service online. Okay, so as it as it stands today, I think Matthew you've described it brilliantly well. It's it's a community that typically people add into their existing same time clients. So you'll have your primary community, typically of your and you know of your business same time environment. You add a second community point at extst.ibm.com um, and then <clears throat> you can add IBMers via their email address. You just say to add an external user, type in their email address, which you can get off of IBM's Whois site, and you, you hit the, the user direct. You can see their presence. You can um, you know, you can connect with them. You can chat with them. And, and that was great. Um, the same time environment has been running quite an old version, hasn't it, Matthew, up until now? And, and it's just now in the next few months, I think, that, that you'll be upgrading to the latest version. Yes, I mean let's let me explain some of the history behind this and set expectation with the audience here. Um, I don't recommend that people start using this right away. Uh, give us um, give us some time to actually deploy our fully full production, full supported service. Um, today, what we see is really what we categorize uh, in our organization as a, as a pilot. Uh, it it was. You know, we we were able to put a server online um, several years ago, five more or more years ago, and and just to experiment and see if this was something that you know that people needed, and we were able to put some support in place, you know, for people who. Uh, you know, when when uh, the technical staff is is in the office, and if there were issues, they could go and take a look at it once they've taken care of you know their primary responsibilities. And it was a bit of an experiment. But um, uh, Stuart, I kind of uh, lost track of the question there. But essentially, once we put the production um, you know service in place, uh, people will be able to uh, to go there and get access to it. So, so what what's planned for for the next few months? I think I think it's Q4 2010 is what you can say. Sometime during Q4, it'll be upgraded to to same time. Is it eight five one? You'll be upgrading to. Yes, it's eight five one. Yeah, and um, it, now we're also putting this in place as our strategic service for instant messaging in the IBM.com domain. 
And so um, websites on IBM.com that need to provide instant messaging will be tapping into this, this uh, service. Uh, so, for example, instant messaging uh, in Lotus Connections, once uh, currently it's, it's tapped into to that service. Um, and um, uh, as the product rolls out, you know, more capability in that area, uh, we'll be beefing up uh, our capacity and, and uh, moving strategically along with uh, product capabilities. Um, and, uh, yeah, generally it's, it's – um, uh, it, it will be on same time 851. Um, now, you know, people have uh, experienced some frustration with this in the past. So, and I understand that, uh, that uh, you know, our, your co-host here, Stuart, also is, is, is one, of our, one of those people. So, you know, Darren, what do you, what do you think about this whole service? Oh, okay, so I, I am I'll, probably... I'll, I'll, I'll... I'll toss one right across the plate. It's a nice, nice, easy pitch. <laughs> it's, it's, this is T-ball. This is, this is, so, so I, I am probably the, the, one of the marquee users you guys are trying to attract. I know an awful lot of IBMers, you know, I drive business for you guys. Um, you know, I wouldn't quite say I'm famous, but you know, podcast <laughs> or presenter, but for the life of me, I can never, ever get connected with the same time embedded client in the latest version of the beta software of Lotus Notes or even yeah. the Gold version. And, and this is just astronomically dumb to me that IBM shipped Gold Code and with the Gold Code, it disables my access into mm. IBM. So what I don't understand is why. I understand maybe the server's running on same time free, the old one. But at the end of the day, it's just an instant message service. I have a same time free server in my environment and my 852 client can connect fine. Why, why are we filtering the different clients out? It's just unfathomable to me that you don't want to say, look, we, we can instantly, the moment we upgrade our notes client, we have the confidence in our system just to take out that stupid VP info, uh, VP client text in, in the same time any, and just say, look, how about it? We have that much confidence in our backward compatibility. Go at it. That's my frustration that Nine months of a year, I am unable to log on to ext st because I'm on beta software of the latest goal code. Mm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, what you're experiencing is the whole issue around client IDs. Essentially, we're you're using a service that is not keeping up with the product release um, and the client IDs that are being embedded with the that product release. Uh, even when it goes gold, uh, certainly not when it goes beta. And let me explain why. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm really just you know I'm I'm explaining the phenomenon, right? And I don't think it's let me let me say Darren right up front. I don't think this is the right way to continue to do business. That's why we're deploying this, um, you know, this full production service. This full production service. It, once we get it deployed, is designed to keep pace with the gold code and the beta code as you get access to it. So you won't be experiencing that uh, once we deploy. But what's happening with the service that you're t trying to access right now with the beta clients and, and with the latest releases is you're tapping into a pilot server that has minimal support with the team that is stretched to support uh, a, a 
quite frankly, one of the largest installations of same time in the world. Um, it is, um, you know, that team is very challenged to uh, ensure that we are up at our SLA level at 99.5% internally, right? This extra service that they experimented with five plus years ago is off on the side on a server that they, um, you know, that they, that they found and, you know, that, that there wasn't really any investment put into. And, um, you know, they, it, that's one of the things that they go take care of, you know, after they take care of all of their, all of their other priorities. And so see Stuart, for example, um, you know, we've been, and, and you were talking about the time frame, six months more. Actually, it's been a year now. We started talking in the third quarter of uh, of '09. Um, was one of the business partners who was very instrumental in raising these kinds of issues to our attention. And quite honestly, we we didn't have sufficient business priority on that service. Um, you know, because it was sitting as a pilot, and we didn't recognize how valuable it was. And then business partners like Stuart come along and, and really help us to become more aware of that. Um, and through, uh, through his help and others uh, getting feedback uh, into our organization, we were able to establish priority for it, able to put investment behind it. We, um, you know, we, put, we put it into our fall plan uh, for 2010 funding. We got funding for it. Uh, and now it's my number one priority uh, in in our in my whole portfolio to get deployed before the end of the year. Uh, so you know I, I thoroughly recognize the the problem that you're running into. And so you know what happens? I mean, to get back to your question, the client IDs. Why don't we just slap a slap the latest client ID in there? Well. What we do inside of IBM is we have a deployment process. We have um, uh, we we take beta code and we put it through our TAP program, TAP, our Technology Adoption Program, and we put it up and make it available for any for all the early adopters to to start working with. And so, for example, we're doing this with Same Time Eight Five One, and uh, the early adopters are downloading it, installing it on their workstations. They're uh, they're giving uh, giving the development team lots of feedback. Uh, which rolls into the product, and these are live. This is through live usage uh, on our intranet, and um, you know that feedback goes right into development and increases the quality of the overall product before it hits GA. Once it hits GA, you would think, right? You would think that we'd be able to take the code, uh, you know, full, you know, GA, and just put it up on an internal site and tell everyone inside the company, go get it, go get it right away. Um, but it's not so simple. It's not so quick because we have uh, we what we do is we take that package and then we package it the way we need it to be packaged inside of IBM. Uh, another investment that I have is a uh, is an upgrade of our meeting service so that we're upgraded to same time eight five one. Once that's upgraded to full production, then I'll be able to put the same time eight five one client. Uh, internally and make it available and have it directly channeled into the uh, meeting service and pre-configured so that when a person installs it, 
uh, they'll be able to just click and go. It's plug and play for them, the meeting capability inside the same time. Those kinds of dependencies create a delay in the deployment process um, relative to, to the time uh, that the code goes GA. Now, the internal team looks at, basically says, okay, what level of code are we working with? What do we have full GA right now, fully, uh, fully supported in production? And we basically work with same time 802. That's what that internal infrastructure team is familiar with. They're able to, and ready, willing, and able to support same time 802. And so when all is said and done at the end of the day, when they turn around and they look at their, this extra pilot server over on the side, the one that has not yet had the strategic investment, the one that has not yet been upgraded to full production support, uh, they turn around, they, they look at that and said, okay, which client IDs do we feel comfortable putting on that server? Okay, 802, boom, there's the client ID. They slap it, you know, they, they put it in there, dust off their hands, and they go back to their job. You know, but this new server, now, once again, like I said, Darren, I fully recognize that's not the way to run this service going forward, and that's why we're putting the investment in place. Once this is in place, I'll be able to say, okay, 851, it's now GA, let's put that client ID in there. Or here's 851 beta uh, client ID, let's put that in there. And we'll be able to keep pace with the expectations. And I fully recognize we're just not able to do that today. And that's something we've talked about an awful lot, isn't it, Matthew? Is is my initial inclination was that you should just open it up so that any kind of client ID can connect to that service, things like Adium and so on. And, and through a long discussion process, it, it just appears that there's no way that IBM can support that. But what you have committed to is just what you've described there, is, is committing to supporting the latest release version and the latest beta version, which is just will be such an amazing difference to people like Darren and I who who need to talk, you know, who need to talk to IBM as all day every day. It's it's a massive investment by IBM, and, and terrific you're doing this work. So I can't wait to to have you back on in a few weeks or a couple of months time to tell us that it's all gone live and, and tell people how to get get hooked up to that. So um, so that's terrific that that IBM's done that work, uh, and I really appreciate you telling us about it. So move, thank move, you very much, Stuart. That's okay. So move, I mean, uh, go on. I just want to say, you know, next time I'm here, I'm hoping to be able to announce the service and, and like we talked about. So thank you very much. That's okay. So so moving on, Ed Brills had a bit of a busy week on the blog, which is terrific. And and as you say, Darren, Ed, Ed's up there standing alone at the moment telling people about some of this stuff. So it's great he's still doing it. But he's, he's told us about Lotus Notes Traveller being, quote, the fastest growing business mobile email platform, which is just a terrific um, statistic to be able to put out there. Um, you, you do quite a lot of work with Traveller, don't you, Darren? Are you seeing it being taken up in these kind of numbers? Yeah, we're seeing literally floods of BlackBerry users moving to Traveller or are in the process of looking to see if if Traveller can, can meet their needs. And I would say for 70 to 75% of the people currently looking at Traveller, they can completely forego their BlackBerry infrastructure and move to Traveller. It's, it's nothing short of phenomenal. And now you're able to run it on Linux thanks to Traveller 852 and, and Domino 852. Um, you know, the, 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 the capital cost of running a mobile platform from Bears to Traveller goes from, you know, anywhere at, at TC over three years for, you know, maybe 10 to 15K goes to zero. It's, it's literally that big of a deal. And and Ed's blog post mentions that um, 
IBM's up to third place in in that table with with RIM and and um, Microsoft being second, uh, sorry, first and second in that table. So that that represents pretty fast growth, doesn't it? Considering where Traveller started, which I guess is only a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, when it started, it was just the web-based piece, right? When uh, they had the the webmail piece and then they released the Windows Mobile client and the Symbian client, I think, was the early ones. Mm. And, you know, Symbian, I think, took off. Windows Mobile, I don't see them ever in in the enterprise now. Um, But with the addition of the iPhone traveler support back in 8.5 or 8.5.1, you know, that's when it took off. And I think you're going to see the next big massive increase when the android piece of traveler goes live as well um luis do you have a feel for how many ibmers are using this now with with iphones and ipads and so on is it still you know a a blackberry dominated enterprise um well i don't have the official numbers but i mean based on what i see on the status updates it, it, it seems like there's a huge number of people that are kind of ditching their BlackBerry, and that's me included, and just, you know, going on and buying their own personal iPhone and or iPad and just, you know, signing up to, to the to the Traveler uh, pilot that we have internally. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm one that, I, you know, I carry two, de- I carry three devices. I carry my iPad, my iPhone, and my BlackBerry, but I, I literally only use my BlackBerry for phone calls because that's, you know, that's what I'm being paid for it. And then, you know, to, to do my email and do you know, connections and, and everything else, I use my iPad and my iPhone. It's just so much better and so much easier. And, um, and again, just looking at the feedback of people blogging and, and, and their status updates, it looks like a lot, a lot of people within IBM are doing the same thing. Yeah, it's terrific. And, and again, this is an area where I guess those worlds of consumer and business are, are kind of merging. You know, businesses asking their, their users to use consumer phones or I guess being asked by those consumers to use their, their great new handsets, whether it's Android or, or um, iPhone. And and so, again, it's those worlds kind of beginning to merge and IBM getting better known for, for being active in them. Um, next on the list is something you mentioned earlier on is Symphony version 3 is um, it's coming pretty soon. Um, they're into beta 4, which I think I think it's the last beta before release. We're looking to do a, a twill episode a bit later on this month um, on on Symphony Three. So um, there's there's been some news about Symphony in a couple of areas this week. First this week, first of all, Ed Brill again blogged about it, saying that um, Bnet, which hadn't come across before. Do you know what Bnet is, Darren? Is that something you followed up? Um, I guess it's a ripoff of CNET. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I read it too. Saying that it's a free and straight and in brackets fabulous alternative to Microsoft Office. And to be fair, I, I have a Google alert set up to, to monitor for Lotus Symphony mentions on the web. And there's an awful lot of articles that come through like this. Some from press releases, some from um, you know articles in the press, others from just from bloggers saying, you know, I've given Symphony a try and it's pretty good. You know, I can use it. It's a, it's an okay alternative. And and so, um, you know, it, it's it's good that Symphony continues to pick up this press, and I guess Symphony Three, when it gets released, will be a big move towards that. Are you using Symphony in, in your business, Darren? I am, but just a, a small step back. I think the Bnet article was a bit different because the writer is actually using it on one of his primary machines. I think was the idea here. Um, and, and yes, so my, my new ThinkPad T510, it has Windows Seven on it um, because I still can't use Designer in or Admin in, on, on on anything else. Hint, hint, cough, cough. Um, <laughs> Yes, that that currently has Symphony 3 Beta 4 on it, and I'm using that as the only installed productivity suite on that machine. Um, The only thing I really miss is with uh, there's no Symphony connectors yet 
for Symphony 3, the connectors only work with Symphony 1. So that's the only thing I'm missing is the inbuilt connectors into Symphony. But once they come in, um, I, I see no reason why I can't move to Symphony full-time. Now, what I will say is STS as an organization, for probably five to six years now, uh, we've used OpenOffice as our primary office suite anyway. Yeah. Um, so we're not very deep in the Microsoft Office uh, usage, except for the odd spreadsheet. Ironically, we get from IBM distributors that <laughs> we can only open in Excel. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Uh, but but you know once once Symphony three comes out that puts me on parity back with Open Office three and and we can start changing all our embedded code to to use Symphony three as opposed to Open Office and 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 I, I I am going to start suggesting that customers really take a serious look at Symphony three from that point on. And I guess when Symphony three goes gold as well, it'll start being integrated with the Notes client as it as it ships as well, which again will make it much more uh, usable, I guess, for an awful lot of Lotus customers. Matt, do you and know- I also asked down. I also asked Ed Brillis at, at Lugnut last week about when when Symphony three ships, are we going to be able to embed it in the current Notes client? And they are. Um, it's just going to come down as an update site, so you'll be able to overwrite what's already in. Um, your Lotus Notes client. And I don't know if you noticed, but on Planet Lotus, I think it was yesterday, I need to go back and find out who it was, so I can't give you kudos. Um, But someone showed how to hack uh, an update site to allow Symphony 3 Beta 4 to be embedded within uh, Notes 852 already. So the possibility is out there. As Stuart indicated, though, we have a, a, a twill coming up before the end of this month about Symphony 3. I'll let you, the listener, read into what that's going to be about, but you might want to hold off. <laughs> Very fair. Matthew, do you know what the take-up within IBM is of, of Symphony? I, I did see a press release mm-hmm. a little while ago in terms of um, <clears throat> IBM employees being told, you know, they won't have Microsoft Office in the future. Symphony will be the way forward. Is that what you're seeing go out to, to real users? Oh, absolutely. Um, so we have, we're not going to have uh, Microsoft Office available on an enterprise-wide basis. Uh, we have made the f- complete shift over to uh, Lotus Symphony. Uh, all internal documents, uh, you know, the directive that we have from our CIO is that, um, uh, that we should be using the open document uh, format and standard for all of our uh, business documentation internally. Um, so essentially, I mean, we're <laughs> if if I deliver a document in a .dot .doc uh, format, I get slapped on the wrist. Um, it's really the, you know this is this Symphony is our um, is our editing environment now. Um, currently, we have uh, Symphony uh, Beta Four, Symphony Three Beta Four uh, launched inside of IBM and. And um, a lot of people were, you know, giving feedback to the development teams right now in that, um, uh, that uh, the, through the TAP program, our technology adoption program. So it's, uh, Symphony's been very successful. Um, I can't quote you chapter and verse on, on the numbers. You know, I'm personally not the Symphony lead and, you know, maybe we can connect you with that person. Um, and if, if you'd like to drill in on details, but there's a great story behind Symphony inside of IBM. Okay, terrific. And and I think the blog post is by Miguel Ango Calvo, uh, Darren, from yesterday. Uh, so that's on Planet Lotus. Just look out for, for that. It's a really good way of integrating it in 8.5.2. Um, Symphony was also in the news and, and OpenOffice 2 in terms of there being a new fork of the OpenOffice code called LibreOffice, which has been announced this week. Um, and it's kind of interesting that, that since Sun was taken over by Oracle, that the news about OpenOffice has really died down, hasn't it, Darren? It doesn't seem to be a, a big focus of Oracle going forward. 
Yeah, I think I think Oracle are, are slowly dismantling the pieces of Sun and, and jettisoning anything that's not profitable for them. I, I was honestly surprised Oracle bought Sun when it happened. Uh, you know, most most of Sun's portfolio these days is is, is probably licensing of of licensing JVMs out to people like IBM and Oracle. So, you know, it's not surprising to see them jettison the stuff that does not make them money. I will say they very, very quickly rebranded the, the, the Java installer to, 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 be, to, to have Oracle and not Sun on it, but they never rebranded the OpenOffice installer. And I think that said a lot, so I'm not surprised it's forked. Um, IBM are already big inside of the uh, OpenOffice Foundation or whatever it's called. Um, so, you know, I think IBM would, would, be, would be at the head of whatever... Uh, forking goes on, and they'll probably make a decision at the time about which, which way to go. Um, Oracle, yeah, conspicuous by their absence. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah, I think that's very fair. The other piece of Symphony news is there's an uh, Symphony Idea Jam that's open this week um, on Elgridge's ideajam.net site. Uh, and again, Ed Brill blogged about that. So if you're interested in, in passing your ideas for Symphony back to the development team, sort of post the 3.0 um, gold release, that that's the way to do it. Um, some some last bits of news before we head on to our tips. Uh, Lotusphere registration opened, I think, last week. Um, the uh, there's only a couple of hotels that are being offered at the moment, which is the Dolphin and Swan, which I think we'd probably all agree are definitely the premier ones to, to stay in in terms of being on site. But um, a few people have said that there will be more hotels open over the next few weeks. Darren, do you tend to stay in the Dolphin? I think. Uh, uh, yeah, I try and stay in the Dolphin of a Swan. One year I stayed at the Paul Leans and and if you're presenting, that just becomes a pain because chances are you've forgotten the cable or you've forgotten <laughs> something, and that's a fair trek to go back. Now, uh, I don't know if I will be presenting. I don't know if I know I'm going to submit an abstract yet. Uh, but yeah, we we generally try to stay in the Dolphin of Swan just because it's 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 a lot less walking and that's where everything happens. It is a lot more expensive, so $250 versus uh, sort of 85 or 90 I think, in the Port Orleans. But um, I think you do get what you pay for with, with that regard. Something that's been discussed quite a lot recently is, is how you can get cheaper hotel rates. And it's worth mentioning here, I think if you're an AAA member, that's a, an option open to you is to book direct. Uh, I'm sure IBM would, would probably recommend you book through their site, but that is an alternative if you're looking to shave a few dollars off the price too. Um, on the, yeah, and, 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 and we saw a URL yesterday, right? Stuart, what was it? Mousesavers.com or something like that? Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Uh, as, as a way, again, to, to shave a few dollars off your cost of going to Lotusphere. Um, a couple of other topics on, on the Lotusphere bent is, um, first of all, the Lotusphere blog is back at lotusphereblog.com. Um, once again, that Who runs that? Oh, oh, oh I, I don't know, Darren. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm obviously heavily involved in that. Something I would love for the Lotusphere blog this year is to have more co-authors, um, to have more people submitting articles, because it, it really is designed to, to um, you know, really promote the event and, and give it another way of getting information out to the people that, that will be attending or following Lotusphere from afar. So um, so anybody who's interested in uh, blogging on the Lotusphere blog or submitting articles, please do get in touch um, with So me. I wonder if... The, the same person that's running the Lotusphere blog is the same person that's running the I love Lotus Notes.net <laughs> page. <laughs> it's the same mystery. <laughs> 
Uh, no, it's not. I have to say, I'm, I'm happy to rule myself out of that one. Uh, I'm not sure I could have talked that that lovely model into <laughs> modelling for me for the banner. So this brings us on to a, another news article this week, which is a new site, ilovelotusnotes.net. If you haven't seen that already, go look at it now. It's quite interesting. It's a basically just a very simple blog where people can can put their comments up. There's, there's only really one article, isn't there, really, really, which is just watch your feedback on Lotus Notes. And it's people telling the world about their love for the lotus notes product how they use it why it's such a good tool and so on and uh darren that, that was a, a just sort of came out of the blue this week didn't it that one it did it's it's been out there for a while if you look at the dates on the comments but i i didn't know about it until someone picked it up and and, and, and tweeted about it or, or blogged about it um well maybe not maybe i'm talking myself out of it it looks like the first comment i can see is September 25th, so maybe not. Um, but when, when I went out there, I, I was surprised. I, I was I was expecting it to be a joke site and everyone complaining about it, but it's actually it, it's got it's got some nice 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 comments out there. It's actually a pretty nice developed Lotus Domino blog. I think it's based on the Domino blog templates. So if you want to see, you know, just just like the this week in Lotus that Stuart did, um, you know, it's based on that template. So you know, you got a lot of different features you can add to the Lotus Domino blog template that, you, uh, that Steve Castledown originally created. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's it's out there and, and take a look. It's a, it's a really good site and again, a good way to get the word out there too. Um, and finally, on the Low Sphere thing, just to return to that, there is also a community on LinkedIn, which is very active with people discussing Low Sphere and things they'll be doing out there. And the current discussion topic is um, is what you can do on a Saturday before Low Sphere if you're in the Orlando area. So again, if you have feedback on that or any other element of Low Sphere, that's a good place to go. And I guess we're looking for abstracts to open pretty soon, Darren, too. Um, yeah, I, I heard a rumor about when the abstracts are going to close, but I didn't hear a rumor about when they're <laughs> going to open. I, I won't. I won't say the rumors in in lieu of maybe it's fake and they're trying to find out where the leaks are coming from. <laughs> but the suggestion is it's going to be quite a short period to uh, submit your abstracts. So either way, it's definitely worthwhile you preparing your abstracts now, even though the submission process isn't open yet. If it's something you're you're looking to to be involved in speaking at Lotusphere or um, or presenting a boff, um, then you need to be thinking about what your abstract will be, who you'll be speaking with, uh, why Lotusphere should be selecting your particular abstract. So get get on with doing that now. And there's a lot of uh, information out there on the web in terms of how you might go about that. Um, uh, I think I think you guys had Gab Davis recently on the show talking about some best practices and and uh, I, I've got to say she was pretty you know right on. So uh, for those listeners who 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 haven't listened to that episode, I think it's episode uh, fourteen maybe. Um, so uh, listen to that because uh, now that I'm part of the whole Lotosphere <laughs> abstract selection process, um, I think you know what she said it was right on. And hopefully you'll be presenting this year as well, Luis. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so Stuart, Stuart, because, because Luis is an abstract selector, can you now erase every bad thing I said about him in this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we can. I'm sure we can. Okay. Uh, moving on. Uh, I think that's pretty much our news for this week. We've missed out on the BlackBerry Playbook, but we can come back to that next week, I'm sure. So uh, let's move on to our tips. Every week um, we ask our panellists that come on this show to name a tip. It might be a feature, a product, a site, or something they just use during their working life to, to help them get their job done better so Darren how about we start with you what's your tip for this week 
Um, Tri-State Lug is coming up I, October the 11th. That's like New York, New Jersey, Connecticut kind of area. And I think that's a one-day event, I believe is what it is. And Mr. Kevin Kavanaugh uh, is going to be doing the keynote. So if you uh, are in the Tri-State area or even a bit further away, come down there. There's always marquee presenters at there. There's always some very good uh, business partner IBM presenters at this event as well. So if you're in the area, head along. I think the site for that is tristatelug.org, I think, from previous memory. So, yeah, go along there and get yourself registered if that's something you'd like to do. Luis, what would your tip be this week? Um, so my tip would be if you come up with a tip, write it down so you don't forget. Because uh, <laughs> I had a tip earlier this week and I just forgot. But I, I, did, uh, I was doing some, some quick research here and I, I think I remember what it was. So um, about two weeks ago, I was asked by a customer, um, how can we generate an org chart? from Lotus Connections, and I didn't have the answer. And it turns out that there's actually a very cool plugin for Symfony that you can connect Symfony to Connections, and it will generate your org chart uh, for you. So check that out. And it's, it's already available for Symfony 3 Beta 3. And in fact, there's also uh, a Lotus Connections uh, wiki editor, so you can, you can write wikis in Symfony and then publish them directly to Lotus Connections. So um, I think, uh, I mean, this whole plugins page hasn't been advertised, or at least, uh, I mean, personally, I, I haven't come here often. So I have to come here, um, you know, more frequently and check out all the new plugins that are being posted. So definitely check out the those plugins posted for, for Symfony. So that's on symphony.lotus.com? Yes. Okay, great. We'll make sure that's in the show notes. I certainly didn't know about that org chart plugin. I think that's that's a terrific tool if it works as advertised. So we'll give that a go and feedback to the uh, to the listeners. And Matthew, what would your tip be this week? Oh, I, following the theme of uh, plugin and um, and uh, you know cro- uh, integration across platforms uh, that Lewis just mentioned, I'd like to um, recommend that people use a plugin. That uh, that Lewis has actually published uh, for us inside of IBM. That it's a plugin that enables um, uh, people to inside of same time to basically monitor changes that happen in their Lotus connection space. So you can um, you can basically check off which um, you know which aspects of Lotus connections you'd like to monitor. Uh, if you want to monitor profiles or files or blogs or community uh, forums or you know any of those kinds of uh, components inside of connections, you can toggle each one of those on and off to your own preferences and point it to your Lotus connections account. And then while you're running same time uh, on your workstation, uh, whenever something like that, you know, one of those items gets posted in Lotus connections, you get a little pop up inside of same time that that notifies you of the um, uh, of 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 the new posting. Um, I would turn and ask Lewis. Lewis, can you reference where people should get that? Uh, otherwise, I'll have to punt and put it into the show notes once I research it. <laughs> no, it's actually available in the Lotus catalog. So check out catalog.lotus.com, and if you go into the Lotus Connections uh, subcategory, you'll be able to see the plugin there. And thanks for the plug. <laughs> a plug for a plugin. And is, is that available for the Notes client as well, or is or is that just for Same Time Connect? It's just for same time because it's using some of the same time APIs. So if you do have nodes with embedded same time, then it's going to work in, in that case. But you really do need to install it on a, on a same time um, base. So whether that's same time standalone or same time embedded inside nodes, um, either one should be okay. 
Okay. You know, I found out about it. I mean, I had seen Lewis, you know, mention it and I thought I put it in, you know, the back of my mind saying, to, I got to go check that out. And it's just one of those things that, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you lose it in your notes and you, you know, you know, you'll get back to it someday. But I was sitting next to my uh, director, Bill Sweeney, and um, in a meeting. And um, I, I noticed that he had these little pop-ups happening on his, his workstation. And I just looked over his shoulder and I realized, wow, those things are coming in from Lotus Connections. What is, oh yeah, it's that plugin that Lewis posted. And I quickly hunted it down and installed it. And it's a lot of fun. So I recommend it. That's, my, that's the tip of the, the week. Excellent. And now Lewis is in uh, product management land. I'm expecting many more of these. Um, and on to my tip, uh, something that I get asked for a lot by um, companies and users is a way of getting external users into internal deployments of Quicker and Connections, basically inviting external users in. Um, and typically that the process for that tends to be that um, that they have to go through some kind of internal process to, to get registered as a, as a user within those products and then and then get sent the, the password and so on. And something that, that we've done a lot of recently is to create a self-registration database that users can um, just go to a, a website, a bit like you do with Bleed Yellow, for example, um, enter in your username, password that you'd like, uh, your email address and so on. And and the, the big part there is, is that you also enter in somebody within the company who can act as effectively your reference and it then goes off to them to get approved and then gets ad you then get added into the LDAP directory such that you can then use quicker and connections and so on. And obviously the, the details of that tend to be different for every company given their security policies, but it tends to be a, a really good way of opening out your internal deployments to extranet users, whether they be partners or customers, uh, and really does add to the value you get Get from those products so that, that's something that um, we've been doing a lot of we have a, a tool that can do that and again get in touch if that's something that would help you in your particular environment so that brings us to the end of our podcast for this week as usual Darren we've gone way over the hour and <laughs> one day we'll make it under <laughs> under 60 minutes or maybe we should just not worry about it so much I don't know Rich I don't worry about it okay cool I won't do either so um once again, thank you to our guests for Louise and Matthew uh, taking the time out to join us on the call, particularly so early in the morning. Louise, how do people find you if they want to get hold of you? Sure. So the easiest way is probably Twitter. So twitter.com slash lbenitas. Uh, that's L-B-E-N-I-T-E-Z as in zebra at the end. And the same as uh, for my blog, lbenitas.com. Terrific. Thank you. And Matthew, how do people find you? Well, I guess a good way to find me is to... Um... Uh, through Twitter, I am uh, sweet. S W. It's basically sweet with triple T's. Okay, great. And I, th I think you were running a podcast, weren't you, with Luis Suarez, one of our other guests uh, recently? Oh, do, you, yes. do you think that it's, will it's, come back to life? Yeah, it's been forever since I've posted an episode, and and Luis and I, Luis Suarez and I, have uh, co-hosted a podcast at sweet.com, sweet with triple T's, and. Um, you know, I've got a backlog of episodes, and I think that the recordings are are really timeless. There, and you know, it's just a matter of you know processing them and getting them published. And I think there's a chance that we can get them uh, rejuvenated. But um, there, there are a lot of fun. You know, what's funny is, um, you know, we say that the conversations are 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 really the most important part of it. And uh, by not actually publishing them on the website, we're being quite <laughs> selfish. So we've got to get them up and out there. So, I, w I would yeah, say, yeah, it's and 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 that's actually mea culpa. It's 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 all sitting, you know, on me and Stuart. You know, as you you go through and and publish this podcast, you know that that takes a fair amount of you know audio engineering time to pull the whole thing together and and get things published. So uh, that's kind of what the, the logjam is there. We'll look out for it. I, I, I would, am Mac. I, 
<laughs> yeah, I should, I should have be, I should have done it on a Mac. I, I would suggest sending Luis Suarez an email to remind him of the podcast, but I, I don't think that would go down very well. Um, so, <laughs> yes, actually, yes. If you if you if you've got uh, Lewis on your contact list, make sure to send him emails. He'll only <laughs> reply to emails. Darren, how do people get hold of you, sir? Um, blog.darrenduke.net, all one word, and on Twitter, Darren Duke again, all one word. Terrific. And I'm Stuart McIntyre of Collaboration Matters. Find me on Twitter at Stuart McIntyre. And do look out for Lotosphere blog and, and a number of my other blogs as well. Um, they're all listed on blog.collaborationmatters.com. So thank you so much to our guests for taking part in this episode. Thank you to you, the listener, for downloading and listening to it. I hope it's been entertaining and informative. Um, well, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. So until next week, that was This Week in Lotus. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer.